Welcome to the Engineer Soft Skills Podcast. My mission is to help engineers develop their soft skills and break through the barriers of social anxiety to show up more boldly at work, create awesome friendships, improve their dating and relationships, and build lives that they love. Hi there, welcome to my podcast, Engineer Soft Skills, where I talk to engineers about the best ways that they can develop their soft skills. They can develop all of the non-technical skills that really enhance our lives. They'll improve your social life, your dating life, how you show up in your career, and you'll just really feel good because you know that you're being fully 100% authentically yourself if you're willing to learn and put in the work. So on this podcast, I wanted to talk about how to develop your social confidence. So first, in order to develop your social confidence, I think it's really helpful to understand where social anxiety is coming from. In other words, why is it that we get, so, we get anxious in social situations? And the crux of social anxiety, well, it's a few things, but I think it's helpful to Understand it as the fact that really we just don't feel good in social situations. Now, that's kind of obvious, but what does that mean? It means that you feel like you're not good enough. When it comes to interacting with other people, you feel like you aren't smart enough. You feel like you don't, you aren't good looking enough. You aren't cool enough. You aren't, in some way, you aren't good enough and they won't enjoy talking with you. And that's going to lead to rejection. Now, why is rejection so such a scary thing, right? You can get rejected by somebody and be completely fine. It is no threat to your physical, to your physical safety. You're going to be in the same situation you were yesterday. It just happened that one person doesn't like you. Or not even necessarily that. They may not dislike you. It may just be that in one instance, they didn't want to take on whatever you were suggesting in the moment. So one way to understand this is from basically a psychology standpoint, an evolutionary psychology standpoint, which is that if you think back thousands and thousands of years ago, our ancient ancestors, why would it have been such a big deal if they were rejected in a social way? Well, humans used to travel in tribes. So it would be tribes of 50 to 150 people, something like that. And it's such a small social group where if you're rejected by the upper tribesmen, for example, or you're rejected by a potential mate, everyone in the tribe is going to hear about that. And if it's a bad rejection, you may be entirely ostracized. You may be kicked out of the tribe and forced to survive on your own. Or if a mate doesn't like you, you all the other potential mates are going to hear about that and because of the fact that everyone's hearing about that, you don't have mating opportunities the way that you would if you came across as somebody who, who was a good mate. So these things in our evolutionary past were legitimate threats to our survival, and they just aren't anymore. They used to be things that would cause us to be kicked out of the tribe, would cause us to have to survive on our own, or would threaten our ability to mate and reproduce and develop love with a partner. Now that's just not the case, but our brains haven't evolved. So 
we used to view these things as legitimate threats to our survival, and we still view them that way. But in today's day and age, where there are 7 billion people in the world, and where if you're in a big city, being rejected by one social group, first of all, you are likely to still, one rejection by that group is not likely to mean that you're forever and always out of that group. You can get back into being liked by them. And even if you are ostracized from a particular group, there are plenty of other people. None of these things, and really not a lot, especially in the first world, are an actual threat to our survival and reproductive abilities. And on a conscious level, we know this. But it's not enough to just know it in our heads. It's not enough to know this is not a threat to my survival. We have to train ourselves to feel that. We have to train our bodies to feel and understand, okay, this is not an actual threat here. There's, I'm totally safe. I'm not going to be in danger, even though my outdated biology and psychology is telling me that I am in danger and I'm not going to be okay. And again, look at this in your own life. Look at where you feel anxious in particular situations because you know, some, some situations may be an actual threat to your safety. If you're scared because a guy pulled a knife out on you, that's totally reasonable fear. Fear exists for that reason. It will kick your physiology into overdrive and it will get you ready for a fight in that situation. And that's kind of a good thing. Or, or it will tell you to run. Those are good things. If you're standing near a cliff and your body and mind are freaking out and telling you get away from the edge of this cliff, that's a good thing. That is ensuring your survival and that survival instinct is amazing and keeps us alive and is the reason that many of us are still <laughs> alive and kicking today. But how do we deal with the fears that are not serving us? The fears that we're talking to people or we're, we want to approach an attractive stranger, but our mind is so fearful and holds us back entirely. How do we deal with those fears? And that's what we're here to talk about today. So a few steps that you can take to start developing your social confidence massively would be one, to start really looking at the way that you talk to yourself. And I've found that meditation really helped me with this because for the longest time, I was not aware of the way that I talked to myself. I would berate myself and I would tell myself I wasn't good enough like I talked about before. I would tell myself that I was ugly and unintelligent and... Basically, just not good enough for other people to enjoy my company. And I was totally unaware of this fact. It was like a fish living in water, where because that's such a common part of your experience, you don't view that as in any way out of the ordinary or weird. You may view that as something that everyone does. And maybe it is something that's fairly natural and something that is common, but that doesn't mean it's a good thing. It doesn't mean it's serving us, and you can change this. So start really looking at your own thoughts in any given situation and get curious about them. Ask yourself, what am I thinking when I back away from a particular situation, when I don't take action, when I recede from something? What's going through my mind? What are the words? What am I saying to myself? And start to really combat this. If you can, journal it out. It's really helpful to get these thoughts on paper. It forces you to sort of clarify your thinking 
And the more that you get it on paper, the more that you'll realize it sounds ridiculous. When it's just running around in our heads, it can seem normal. It can seem not out of the ordinary from our particular experience. But when you get it on paper and you're reading it out loud and you viscerally see, okay, this is what the experience of being in my own head is like, I think you'll intensely start to realize this is a problem and I need to change the way that I perceive myself and start working on the way that I think. The next is developing self-love. So a lot of the way that we talk to ourselves, if you're anything like I used to be, is really mean and really you're you are not happy with yourself and you're beating yourself up for a variety of just attributes that you have. Developing self-love is essential because when you have love for yourself, you're able to give love to others. You aren't afraid to step up in social situations that might otherwise scare you. You know that you're going to be okay absolutely no matter what. And rather than beating yourself up if you don't do something or if you do something that goes poorly, you know that you're going to be on your own side even after that thing happens, even if it happens poorly. You are going to have that love for yourself and you aren't reliant on others to reject you or accept you. That doesn't matter. That doesn't factor into your thinking. You just love yourself. The next is to start understanding your limiting beliefs and stories. So we have a lot of unexamined beliefs and stories about ourselves, about life, about how the world works. And when we start to look at these things, we'll realize, oh, that is severely holding me back. An example of a limiting story or belief might be, I'm too young, or I am big boned and therefore I can't lose weight, or I don't have enough time, or I just have social anxiety and I, that's something that I have and I have to deal with for the rest of my life and I can't overcome it. These are all things that are not true. Or maybe, maybe you have some beliefs or stories that have some element of truth to them. And we want to just get clear on what those beliefs and stories are in our own heads so that we can start questioning them, so that we can start replacing them with better, more empowering beliefs and stories that actually drive us forward and compel us to do big things in the world rather than hold us back from even putting ourselves out there. The next is developing the capacity to feel. So one brilliant statement that I absolutely love and that has guided a lot of what I have done is that all of our fears are fears of feeling. And this at first didn't resonate or didn't hit home for me because I didn't think I was that afraid of my own feelings. It sounds a little bit ridiculous to say that I'm afraid of feelings. It sounds like not very tough, especially from a man's standpoint. I like to think I was a very tough person and that I wasn't afraid of much of anything. And yet, when you think about what your fears are, maybe some of them are of things that are fears to your physical danger and fears that your physical safety will be threatened. However, a lot of our fears are actually just fears of how you'll feel after a particular thing. For instance, if you're afraid to go approach a woman and your mind is telling you you don't want to do that, 
is your fear actually of approaching that woman and her saying whatever she's going to say? Not exactly. Instead, your fear is the fear of how you are going to feel after doing so, especially if she rejects you. How are you going to feel after that happens? Because we know that we are likely to beat ourselves up. We're likely to feel terrible after a rejection. And that doesn't have to be the case, first of all. And even if you are going to feel horrible, even if you are going to feel a deep sense of pain and discomfort and feel absolutely unworthy, you want to develop your capacity to face these feelings, to feel them, to allow them to be there, to love them. And when you have this ability to face and feel your feelings, there's not that much that can stop you. (laughs) All our fears are fears of feeling. So if you're able to and willing to go into those feelings and allow them to be felt, you become unstoppable. Finally, massive action. So this one is a little bit self-explanatory, but in order to deeply begin to have an understanding, not just in your brain, not just on the conscious level, but in your subconscious, in your heart, in your gut, to feel that I'm going to be okay in social situations, you need to start going into the things that scare you. You need to start taking actions that your brain is telling you, don't do that thing. That thing is going to hurt. That's going to be painful. It's going to be scary. And once you start doing those things and doing them again and again and again, improving to yourself that you're going to be okay no matter what, that you're going to survive, there's no threat to your safety. And not only is there no threat to your safety, but a lot of the times these things actually go well and the person receives you well and the person enjoys being with you or the person enjoys that you shared something vulnerable. So many of these things can be so scary for us. And when we do them, when we get over that hump, when we take the action, we're proving to our self at a deep level that these things can't hurt us. So that is this, the end of this podcast on how to develop your social confidence. Thank you so much for listening. I am so appreciative for you if you've made it this far on this podcast. If you're enjoying what I'm sharing with you, if you're finding that this is giving you value, feel free to reach out to me. You can check out engineersoftskills.com. I have a contact me page on that website. Also, check out my free PDF on that website, which is how to develop your engineering soft skills. It's the guide to engineering soft skills. And that's where I put in the best stuff of what I've learned as far as how to develop your soft skills, social skills, social confidence. And I put a lot of heart and effort and work into that thing. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. So again, thank you for listening. If you feel so compelled, check out engineersoftskills.com.